Mention, mention So strap on in Because we're talking about the mention I'm Sam Wilson. I'm Zach Schneider. And I'm Liz Tory. Nerd Shit is the podcast where we talk about all your favorite nerdy movies and series. And do deep dive, spoiler heavy discussions on them. We're going to talk about all the things that make them work. And all the things that make them suck. We're also going to handle disagreements in a respectful, non-toxic way. All the while taking everything with a healthy dose of humor. After all, it's just entertainment. Everything doesn't have to be so serious. So apparently there are people out there talking about when the Hydrone Collider slammed those two atoms together, we were shifted into another universe, a parallel universe. And some people are saying that the proof of that is because there are people with the memory of this movie that Sinbad was in called Shazam, where he was this genie in the 90s. And Sinbad says he wasn't in that movie, so that's proof enough for them that we are in a a parallel universe. You know, (laughs) you know what was great about the whole Sinbad as as the genie called Shazam thing is that, so this is based on just people misremembering this movie called Kazam that starred Shaq. Yeah. But somebody had done a April Fool's prank where they actually got Sinbad and they actually had him do scenes from (laughs) Shazam the movie. And it is hilarious. It's so good because like they, they make it look like this grainy VHS tape like i found the secret vhs tape of shazam that no one wants us to know about <laughs> and it's so good oh it's my god so good yeah just just perfect <laughs> that's amazing there's videos of sinbad uh going live and so many people have asked him about it that he finally just says yes in a crackhead world i did a movie called shazam <laughs> for all you crackheads out there i did it and you know what i used the money i got paid for i went and got more crack <laughs> oh my god I, I i think when it comes to these those types of like shared misrememberings it just be, it becomes to this thing of like it was a maybe it is actually some parallel universe and that's really what this is but like <laughs> Like, I'm always just like, look, when one person misremembers something a certain way and then they tell somebody else, the other person inevitably is going to be like, yeah, that sounds right. Because, like, when you say (laughs) that, you know, there's a movie about a genie called Shazam starring Sinbad in your head that doesn't sound that crazy. And you're like, and you kind of misremember that there actually was a movie called Kazam. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like, well... Because I also think Kazam is one of those movies that everybody kind of vaguely remembers existed, but no one like has a distinct <laughs> memory of actually watching type thing. Like Exactly. It's like the whole Berenstein Bears thing. It's like, when was the last time you actually read one of those books? It's been right? over a decade for most people. So yeah, you don't really remember any of the details. And if you someone came up your to memories. you and said that, oh, this is the actual spelling, you're like, might as well be. Sure, why not? I haven't looked at it forever. <laughs> and then when you actually look at the spelling, you know, it might be a surprise to you at that point. But it's not like this is cemented in your head. It's not like yes. everyone, you know, is misremembering uh, the name of the Lion King. It's it's not the Tiger King. No one is <laughs> thinking we got shunted into a different universe where the famous childhood movie, The Tiger King, was you know, so popular because we all remember that one and we watch it on the regular. Yes. Well, maybe in this parallel universe, aliens actually did teach us to to build the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Giorgio believes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember, the secret behind why all of these different ancient civilizations have so many similar pyramids is because that's just a really efficient way of stacking rocks on top of each other. Right? <laughs> Triangle power. Stone masonry at its best. <laughs> Nothing is more powerful than the triangle. Remember this. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. The triangle is the best. If you're going to build, that's the best way to go. It's strongest. I did have a weird thing about Lion King, actually, of misremembering Lion King, because like I really had this memory that instead of Simba, the Lion Cub's name was Kimba. And, you know, and there was this whole thing about that he was like fighting this other adult lion with a scar, but it wasn't scar. But then I realized that wasn't misremembering. That's the fact that the Lion King is a ripoff of some other animation. But I mean, yeah. (laughs) 
But what? there we have like a very <laughs> obvious reason why we think that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, Kimba, that does exist. That is a thing. Um, yes. Disney is just really unoriginal. <laughs> You're telling me that Disney does not have their own ideas? Nope. And now, fortunately, we can steal some of Disney's ideas. Thank you. That's for true. For finally not updating copyright law for the first time in decades, Disney. <laughs> there's, there's already two Mickey Mouse horror movies that have been greenlit. I am. I am Have not they sure. been greenlit, or are people just making them indie? Because if you make an indie movie, you can just make it. It's not even about being greenlit. <laughs> oh no! Uh, one of them is the the studio that did Sharknado. Okay. Right. Well, the, well, yeah. the, was it that studio greenlight anything? Like it's like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think they have like octopus versus crocodile or something. Any schlock mm-hmm. script on, on their desks that is like, does it sound stupid? <laughs> All right, we'll make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will it sell? All right, yeah. let's make it. Make it for dirt I'm going to make a movie called Landmine Roach. It's just a roach that's a landmine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I want to see that movie. <laughs> just when you think it's safe to go out in the fields. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we think would win in a fight between Landmine Roach and Echo from Marvel Studios Echo is the real question. Well, I mean, she's already got one missing leg, so... <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, she just needs to she... throw the fake leg onto the Landmine Roach and just let it blow up for a distance. Yeah. There we go. I, I guess it depends, yeah, which leg, <laughs> which leg she steps on it. You know, one of the yeah. nuts is going to be a problem. Yeah. Damn, wrong leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about Echo today. This is Marvel Studios' Woo-hoo. Disney Plus series, Echo. The spinoff of the Hawkeye show. It's the latest MCU series. Full spoilers ahead for Echo. You know, interesting kind of getting into the, the TVMA, you know, kind of more harder edged uh, Marvel series, uh, a la the Netflix shows, which I didn't really think they were going to make shows like this for Disney Plus. So I'm glad to see that they are starting to make shows like this for mm, yeah. uh, Disney Plus, but. What do we think of uh, the character of Echo, a.k.a. Milo Lopez? Uh, I, I First of all, I, I just think that mm-hmm. Alaco Cox is just awesome. You know, it's like actual, mm-hmm. you know, actual deaf actress, actual amputee, but just, you know, complete mm-hmm. unknown that they, they took this chance on when they cast her in Hawkeye and then gave her her own show because she she's awesome. And I think her performance to me is the best part of the show. Absolutely. Oh, she she radiates. She holds presence. Yeah. Whenever she's on, when she's next to Vincent fucking D'Onofrio, you still can't take your fucking eyes off of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she holds her own. Absolutely. It's kind of amazing. It's like, all right, who do we have that's got the charisma to play against Vincent D'Onofrio? And we're still looking at both of them with equal time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, she's she's fantastic. Um, I actually um, found out apparently the character was not originally written with uh, one leg. It's just that no. she happened to be such a fantastic casting for the character. It's like, all right, and now this character's uh, got one leg, and actually that makes the backstory work better. Yeah, no, that was something that I'd looked up as well because I was curious about that because I knew that she was an actual amputee, and I was wondering, it's like, okay, was that true in the comics? And they just happened to find somebody that 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 checks all of those boxes. It's like, no, it's like they were looking for a deaf Native American actress of a, of a certain age, and they found her, and she just fit the role so well that they wrote mm-hmm. that into the character as well, so. I have a dream movie called The Expendables, and it has all these badass women, and I think that Aloka Cox deserves to be in that movie, Expendables, instead of Expendables. <laughs> Maybe it happened yeah. in another universe. Yeah. Maybe it did. Maybe that was the... <laughs> if it had been for the goddamn Hadron Collider, we'd be in that universe. <laughs> <laughs> that sons of bitches. <laughs> but no, I absolutely love Alakwa Cox's performance. I find it funny, but also incredibly cool that Marvel does have a bit of a... Not entirely unfair uh, reputation for making many of their main protagonists kind of quippy, which, you know, that's that is kind of the case uh, that wait, I'm not complaining too much, though. 
I do find it funny and also fantastic that Maya is also a quippy character, but she's just quippy in ASL. It's so fucking awesome. No, it it works so well. And I do also just love how ASL ties both into the storytelling and the character work, how every single character who actually cares about Maya, even if they're very estranged from her, even if they haven't talked in years understands it and took the time to learn it and kingpin never did no no i love those details um she is overall an extremely magnetic character her fight scenes are incredible i love the physicality she has i love the way even that her prosthetic is used in fight scenes the way it changes her balance and how she moves She's cool. I think one of the most fascinating things about Maya for me is that she doesn't mind being a villain. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most fascinating things is that she just likes that Kingpin likes her and wants to spend time with her and has this time for her. And she accepts, okay, I guess he just kills people. All right. Well, that seems interesting. Let's go. I find it fascinating because she knows that it's bad. It's not a situation like with Michael Myers, who thinks that killing is a part of life. She accepts that killing is bad, and sometimes you have to be the villain. I don't know if I view it that way. Like, I I, I really think that when we're talking about the backstory... I think that Kingpin really kind of groomed her to be his tool. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not about... It's not about thinking that killing is a, is a part of life, but it's it's about kind of... I, I guess having some degree of faith is like, oh, he's he's family, he's my uncle. It's like we're killing people who deserve to be killed, type thing. But it's it's kind of a lie that he's telling her, and a lie that she's telling herself in the beginning, which I think she kind of breaks out of by the end of the show. Uh, she directly says, she directly calls it out. She says that he isolated her, that he you know led her to you know try and go through this training. At one point, you know, trying to speak with your interpreter and then killing off said interpreter. And he's not wrong that in some ways she chose it and that she leaned into it. But those were extremely formative years of her life. She was distraught. She was confused. And he had an opportunity to try and lead her to a better life away from that, but instead he made it extremely difficult for her to reach out to others, to people who might have steered her differently. I get what you're saying. I even think it's interesting that much of her turn towards the end is not so much a, oh, I've been a bad person and hurting people all this time. It's more choosing which family she wants to be a part of. Um, as opposed to an abstract, you know, notion of good or evil at the end. I don't think she's done being the villain. I think we're going to see her as a villain uh, whenever it comes to Daredevil and a couple of other things. I think that she's going to have this vendetta against Kingpin, but I don't think she's going to be a I'm a saint type of character. I honestly think I honestly think being a villain is part of her core. I, I, I think it's reductive in my mind to say that she's going to be a villain or she's going to be a hero. I think I think she's an anti-hero. That's that's how I view Echo. And I think even I can see that. I think even in other people's like even in Daredevil, I, I I think there's a good chance she does show up in the new Daredevil, Daredevil show. But I think it'll be yeah. as a kind of neutral anti-hero. You know, it's like. Or do, do her goals align with Daredevils on this particular day, or don't they? I don't view her as being a villain, yeah, personally. Yeah. I, I personally think and the term anti-hero, like the classical term of it, perfectly describes her. It's She's not a superhero. She is not going out actively to save lives and fight the good fight and beat no. up bad guys. Nor will she. She is just trying to fulfill her own goal, and she's not... I could see that. Yeah, she's not psychopathically attacking people. She's not actively championing the cause of evil. She's just a hero for her own cause and her very own specific cause. Going forward, I don't think I don't think she's going to have a problem killing again. Oh no, absolutely not. No, and it, but, but to be honest, in the Marvel universe, as opposed to you know DC or whatever, it, it depends on the character mm-hmm. on, on either side of the equation. But in in yeah. the MCU. There are definitely fewer characters that have a problem killing, because even the mainstream Avengers don't really have a problem killing for the most part. I think it's 
pretty much just Spider-Man at this point. Spider-Man and Miss Marvel, maybe. Daredevil as a no-kill thing. Yeah, da- Daredevil, Spider-Man, yeah. and Miss Marvel, I think, are some of the only ones that have very strong no-killing stances. Yeah, there might there might be some smaller characters uh, that, we're, that we're kind of forgetting about, but yeah, they're, they're, they're for the most part, yeah. But when I say that about Maya, I'm not saying that I think she's evil and I think she's horrible, and I, I tend to like the villains a lot. And I think you're. I think both of y'all are right. I think she's more of an anti-hero. I didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, going the Vader way. Yeah, that makes more sense. But I do like that she doesn't mind getting her hands dirty. No, for sure. And I, I think that that's something that we're going to be seeing to a degree with these these kinds of. Um the edgier Marvel characters, if, if they kind of go yeah. forward with them of, you know, like, again, Echo and Daredevil. And if they do end up yeah. bringing back Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist, like the mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be branded this way, but it's, it's like the, the, the comics branding tends to be the Marvel Knights, Knights with a, with a K. Is, is where you get kind of the more hard edged uh, stories about, you know, Punisher, especially, you know, Punisher is also very much an antihero. And and Punisher is also one that, depending on whose story he's in, like when he pops up in Spider-Man comics, yeah. he actually tends to be more of a villain. But mm-hmm. I've always disliked that character so much. And then they got an actor that I don't really like to play him in the newer ones. <laughs> you don't like uh, John Bernthal? No, not at all. Oh, wow. See, I love John uh, Bernthal. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. I think he's a one-note actor. When I say that, he does his part very well. So, John Berthel fans out there, if you're listening, I'm not saying that he's a horrible actor. I'm saying that his characters are not like the characters I usually uh, like. No, I get that. That's fair enough. Yeah. Not trying to be toxic about it. Punisher, even for me, is kind of complex. I like some uses of him. When he showed up on the Daredevil show, um, I thought that whole storyline and performance was fantastic. But he's a character where the longer the story, his story goes on, the more grating and unlikable I find it. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, I'm not saying that he can never be used well, but he is, he's a contentious character even just for me, not even among other people. Yeah. I do like in this show, though, how we have the silent scenes. I also like how they catch us up with her family history with the silent film stuff. Uh, style of of storytelling that was cool. I fucking yeah. love that part of it. Yeah, that that Absolutely. whole sequence where like like I think the first three episodes they introduce each of her three ancestors that she draws different aspects yeah. from, mm-hmm. and like the second one is is the that uh, the first woman who was a part of that one kind of Western cop yeah. you know force or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that they did that as this silent film and then they slowly transition it into a, a sound film, like I thought. That that was actually really it cool. It was beautiful. It was it was it yeah. was really well oh, yeah. done. It was creative filmmaking from the that perspective. The whole woodpecker storyline. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. I like Maya overall as a character. Um, again, the performance of, of the actor is what mainly stands out. I just I found her a little wishy washy. I think that that was the the problem I had with I her when, when when it came to this uh the, this this particular season is like I don't know it. it <sighs> I almost was frustrated by, like, how much she was kind of wrestling with, you know, the offer that that Fisk gives her, because it's one of those things is like, okay, like, she's, you know how much this guy has has groomed you and isolated you and used you as a tool and as a weapon, and you know that this is also the guy that killed your dad. You already, in the previous show that you were on, were all in on revenge against this guy and thought you got his revenge, and... I like that they kind of go into the thing, uh, and they don't have to spell it out, but I do feel like there there is that, that since she thought that she got her revenge against Kingpin, yeah. she kind of realized that revenge is, is ultimately hollow and ultimately empty and not satisfying, and I think yeah. that that's the reason why she doesn't try to avenge her father a second time, right. but it was one of those things where... To me, it shouldn't have even been, like, a conflict as far as whether or not she was going to, like, work with him again or I become Queen Pin or whatever. It's like, no, it, like, when she was wrestling with that, it's like, no, stop wrestling with this. It's like, there's, to me, there's, there's, it's just ridiculous. It's like, I don't know. But she does love him. I mean, no matter what, he raised her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are those feelings. And that is why she really does fit in that anti-hero, like you were saying, because she follows her heart and she has to peel back her heart. That is what leads her. And she doesn't mind. And that's another reason why I feel like she doesn't mind being the villain 
as long as she has that family aspect to it. I didn't mean to bring down the room. <laughs> I thought Zach was going to say, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be completely honest. Uh, the internet cut out for a second and I did not hear the last part of that statement. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's just take my wooden performance as a huge condemnation of whatever it was you said. I don't know what it was you said, but I'm against it, apparently. Condoms. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say as far as when they, they do the um the backstory of showing Mai's childhood, the death of her mom, and then like kind of catching us up to what we've seen in Hawkeye with the death of her father. I love the fact that they interweave new scenes with scenes from Hawkeye during that whole yeah. like that that first episode was actually very Absolutely. well done in, in terms of bringing us up to speed. And speaking of Daredevil, that fight between her and Daredevil was awesome it was it was extremely well done to be honest the only part that i really had a problem with and i had to watch the last episode over again to make myself feel better about it was how easily she did whatever in the fuck she did to to kingpin we we really don't even know exactly what she did to him when she placed her fingers over his heart I don't know if she made him scared to kill again or if she took away his ability to kill or what, because he keeps screaming, what did you do to me? What did you do to me? What did you do to me? I ultimately liked the finale quite a bit, but I will say that is a fair criticism that that conflict ends, I think... The scene between him saying, what did you do, and him driving off with his people, I think that ends a little bit early. Um, we needed yeah. to get a little bit more resolution as to how he felt about this, because we can kind of infer the idea that he's done fighting Maya um, and her family, that he's going to go. We don't know exactly why in his mind he is leaving and why he's done with this conflict. Is he yeah. wrestling with his own conscience now? Um, is it a conscience that is suddenly returned to him by healing some of his deep built-in pain? Is he scared of her? Scared of being that vulnerable and that far brought back to his childhood? I, I would have liked a little bit longer to see why exactly this conflict is over. Apart from that, yeah, I did like most of the I feel like we're going to see more in Daredevil. That's the only complaint I have. No, I agree, because I also don't really understand what exactly happened there at the end. Just straight up. I, I, just, hmm. I just don't really get what she did to him. No. So... It'll play out in Daredevil, but still... Yeah, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't know how much it will, though, because I know that they'll also want to present Daredevil in a way where you don't have to have watched this show. At least I, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that, although I, I know that people have been complaining that the MCU has been too interconnected lately in that regard, but... So maybe, maybe yeah. they actually will, but like, I don't know, I because they're also ending it with that tag of Kingpin is going to run for mayor, and yeah. since the Daredevil show is presumably going to be more from Daredevil's point of view, like, I could see it just being like, you know, the show starts, Matt Murdock is you know, listening to TV and and seeing, like, Wilson Fisk running for mayor, and he's like, aw, shit, guess I gotta put the horns back on, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is, like. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know how much they're gonna address that uh, or not, like, honestly, I think that if Echo shows up, if the character of Echo shows up on the new Daredevil show, I think that there's more of a chance that we're gonna have that addressed, you know, that yeah. maybe um, mm -hmm. if she has a conversation with daredevil which it's also been pointed out of how the hell are these two gonna have a conversation with each other but uh, that's that's a whole other thing <laughs> if, they, if they could figure out how to have a conversation with each other echo could be like hey i uh, did this thing to kingpin so he's probably not gonna be trying to fight me so much or whatever whatever it is like kingpin's definitely not done being a villain i'll say that right did you ever see the movie hear no evil see no evil no. with richard pryor and gene uh Wilder. Wilder, yeah. I want to see Daredevil and Echo do the hear no evil, see no evil thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, with his abilities, he is able to make out the shape and motion of things. Mm -hmm. So... If at some point he learned ASL, which I doubt, but let's say for the argument he did, he would be able to see her signing, but mostly it would be hilarious if they just had a massive communication barrier. Yes. <laughs> and yes. also, I don't think he can, like, read anything on a paper, so she just tried to 
if he just tried to like write down, if she asked him to just write down, he was saying, it's like, oh, I think we're going to run into a similar problem there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kingpin's little, little cheat thing is a way that they can cut that in in half. I don't know. I would like to see him team up, though. Oh, yeah, me too. And I, yeah. I know that they have teamed up in the comics, so they must have figured out some way past that communication barrier in the comics. Maybe they can figure that out, but it's just that little communication thing. Here's my comment about that little communication thing is that I feel like Fisk went so much more extra to, I guess, try to appeal to Maya by having her translation of his words specifically B-A-S-L, which... I can't help but feel that it would have been so much easier and actually not even that further from our real life technology if it just gave her text subtitles instead of actual this like holographic (laughs) animated image of ASL in front of him. It's like that just feels like so much more complicated than it needed to be. And like maybe the point is that He's doing so much to try to appeal to her. It's like, see, it's almost like I'm doing ASL. It's like you're you're literally doing everything that you can to not actually learn ASL. To not learn. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking dick. <laughs> see, I went through all the trouble of shouting at people to figure out to do it for me so that I didn't have to bother to do it. See, yes. that shows you how much I care. I told people in the space of like five minutes to do this and they did it. And then I spent some money, which I didn't even care about because I have so much money. Yes. It feels like a very Trump thing to do. I'll also just say, you know, on the subject of Daredevil and Fisk, you know, we've talked about in our reviews of Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home how happy and excited we are to see these actors from the Marvel Netflix shows appear in the mainstream MCU. And it seems like there's actually now no difference between the mainstream MCU and, and Netflix. It seems like Netflix Marvel at this point is finally actual canon, which I'm so, 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 so happy about that, you know, and, and this, yeah. this show does, you know, it does talk about the specific Absolutely. backstory of Wilson Fisk that uh, is been established in season one of Daredevil with the hammer that he used to, to kill his father mm. with that white wall that he would yeah. stare at as a kid. Like it, it's, it, it's all from that show. And, and, and there have been reports that have come out saying that, they finally have relented and and basically said that yes those shows are actually canon so i'm i'm extremely happy to see that yeah absolutely yeah just getting a lot more of Vincent D'Onofrio as as Kingpin than we were able to get in Hawkeye and and seeing that this really does feel like the Kingpin that we we, we that we know from the Daredevil show mm-hmm. i would like to uh say that if i shot a man in his eye and all he got was a little pink eye from it i'd be afraid of him (laughs) (laughs) they just plucked that bullet right out and i got better after three days it's like okay he just walked it off this is uh yeah that's slightly terrifying yeah (laughs) is anything ever said at what makes him so strong i think in the comics and in the mcu it's just Kind of, he, he is apparently just human. He's not a mutant or an inhuman or he didn't, you know, get a toxic waste spill at any point, which is roughly how <laughs> half of the Defenders got their powers was toxic waste. I didn't get cancer. I got superpowers. Exactly. But no, I don't, I think it is literally just that he bulked up, worked out extremely hard and spent absolutely no time cutting and the entire time bulking <laughs> uh, when working out. And it's crazy. just has an incredibly ridiculous amount of willpower as well. And I think Plus that's money. the sum total of his superpowers. He has money, willpower, and again, he is constantly on the bulk. Just never cuts at he any point. He is huge. Just always yeah. bulk. Oh, yeah. He is just a person. And all of it is muscle. It's just... um. I think that comics are just a bit over the top, you know, in in in, in, in yeah, the way that right. they, they, they can kind of exaggerate certain things. And I, I, I think that the Netflix Marvel shows were more grounded and more realistic, although Kingpin still was a force of nature in terms of just you know like like his strength and his ferocity but i think that with his reintroduction in into the mcu i think that they've ramped up his his durability mm. as well to to a greater degree but it's just it's just the comic book reality i guess like he is incredibly strong he's incredibly willed yeah like, 
like, in, in Hawkeye, at least, they definitely seemed to give him a little bit more of that comics-level strength and durability than mm-hmm. he has. Yeah, but I think that that does carry into the show, the fact that he was able to survive being shot in the face, you know, which... They handle it well. This whole show could have been avoided if Maya had just double-tapped. Double-tapped. Like, she just walked away. Exactly. She had, I guess she didn't check for a pulse or anything like that. Just empty your clip into the guy's face until the until it goes like... <laughs> yeah, I guess she thought that I shot him in the head, and, you know, that's, that's all you yeah. need to do, but... Yeah. To be fair, you you don't usually get pink eye from being yeah. shot in the eye. You usually get death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, she should have double tapped. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and one thing I will also say is that I love in Hawkeye, you know, it was cool seeing him fight. I liked how they brought back um, something distinctive from his action scenes in the Daredevil series into this show as well, where especially when he has that um, when he beats up that, you know, rude ice cream man, how his action scenes are you know, he is terrifyingly strong and powerful, but it always feels like him losing control. Like yes. he's shaky. Yeah. And the adrenaline. Obviously not in full faculty of himself when he does this. This is an absolute lashing out and losing his common control when he fights. Um, I love that they brought that back for this show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and the show does a good job, of course, of picking up that cliffhanger at the end of Hawkeye of not knowing whether Kingpin was alive or dead or, mm, yeah. you know, if... if yeah, we, all, all we did was we heard the gunshot, we heard somebody fall. It's like, I know there were theories that we had of, like, maybe he tackled her and the gun went off or something like that. But, like, I, I like this. Okay, it is exactly what it appeared to be. It's just that he did survive. But... Kingpin is just too great a villain to kill off after just bringing him back after yeah. after an absence. So I'm glad that we're going to get probably plenty more of this this character going forward. Yeah. Why would you bring in the greatest villain in the franchise and kill him off in the first movie, Tim Burton? Yeah. He did that twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why he lost those <laughs> franchises. Well... In in fairness to Tim Burton, that was an era of comic book movies where generally it was one villain per movie and they always got killed yeah. off. That was always the formula. You know, yeah, they, they, right. usually they were lucky to get, you know, a trilogy out of these characters. It's like the only exception to that was they did keep bringing Lex Luthor back in, in the, the old Superman movies. You know, Gene Hackman kept coming back, but... Yeah. That's more of, you know, Superman just absolutely not being the killer type. It's like, eh, he's he's not gonna kill Lex Luthor. Whereas with Batman, it's like, eh, yeah. But in Batman, in fairness to, to Batman in that first Batman movie, Batman was actually trying to save Joker in that. He was. I, I, I always kind of yeah. did get a little bit annoyed with the, the these early superhero movies that it's like, look, we don't always have to kill off the villains. Like, it's not even about just whether they can be brought back or not. But like when it's a superhero storyline and you have a superhero whose main thing is that they don't kill when they when the villains keep dying at the end of their movies, it kind of makes the, the superhero look like they're doing a terrible job. You know, it's, yeah. it's like the, the Sam Raimi <laughs> Spider-Man movies. It's like, God, these guys keep dying. It's like, I mean, I, I liked it with Green Goblin because Green Goblin just authored his own death in, in the first Spider-Man movie. Right. But yeah, it, it's, it's still just like, look, the villain could go to jail sometimes. It's so it's all right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, Keaton was the only Batman that was able to retire. The rest of the Batman uh, uh, universes, they they're still fighting those villains, but but Keaton killed two villains, and the villains were like, "We better not fuck with this guy. He 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 he's Scarface." <laughs> yeah. yeah, he killed Penguin. He killed Joker, and we're not certain what he did to Max Shrek, but uh, he was just a skeleton. Yeah. Oh, apparently that was Catwoman. Well, Batman was there. He gets the credit. It's fine. Uh, Cat- <laughs> Don't we're not sure what happened to Catwoman either. So uh, he might have killed her too. We're not sure. He's like the Zodiac killer in their universe. <laughs> <laughs> What about some of these friends and family characters uh, that Maya has? I love the two grandparent characters. I think I think those those mm-hmm. both great characters. Like, what what'd you think of them? I do love how the only romance uh, subplot in this entire show is between the grandparents. Yeah, um, as well. Yeah, that is actually great. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, they're they're so fun. Um, 
Yeah, I love the different energies they all have. I love her grandfather, who is kind, helpful, also absolutely out to fleece, you know, any and all tourists when not impossible. You know, as well he should. I genuinely like that the relationship between Maya and her grandmother is frayed for legitimate reasons. That, you know, she had, you know, absolutely right misgivings about uh, Maya's father. That she herself handled those misgivings very poorly and subconsciously took it out a little on yeah. Maya. And then Maya feels bad because, you know, she was ignored and, you know, someone abandoned by a grandma. I like that a lot of times there's a miscommunication that can cause a relationship to fail. And sometimes it feels manufactured. In this case, it feels very real and human where both people... You can't really blame either of them too terribly much because they both fucked up, but in ways that you definitely see how it happened and how it got there for both of them. Um, I like yes. that fraught relationship, and I like when they managed to bring that back together. The family dynamics is very organic in this show. You're absolutely right. Everything, you can look at these relationships and say, oh yeah, that's how that happened. And you know that Chula, the grandmother, was blaming her father, William Lopez. So, you know, it's just all this. It was very organic. You're absolutely right, Zach. Was Biscuits shown in any of the flashback scenes or did he just show up in the modern day? I think he just showed up in the modern day. Okay, gotcha. Good. Biscuits. <laughs> so there's a trope that happens a lot in, in the, the, these types of tragic backstory things. When a, a loved one of a kid dies and like the kid is, is present and the kid always like blames themselves for, for whatever reason. It's like, you know... Uh, you know, like Batman Begins with the kid is like, oh, if we hadn't like left the opera in the middle, then my parents would still be alive. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things like, well, that might technically be true, but it's not really your fault. In this case, when, when Maya's like, look, if I hadn't wanted the hot chocolate and we hadn't left for it, then my mom would still be alive. And I'm like, okay, this is even more so not your fault, kid. Because if those brakes were cut, like, the mom was going to have to drive somewhere eventually. Eventually. Like, you know. <laughs> yep. I was just thinking that's like, right. this is even more so not your fault, kid, than, than it usually is in, like, the, these types of tropes. It's like, look, the brakes in her car were cut. If she was, she hadn't driven the car in that case, yeah. she would have driven it to, like, you know, <laughs> go to her doctor's appointment the next day or she whatever. She was either going like, to die tonight getting you hot chocolate or she was going to die tomorrow on her way to work or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, Sam, but I think psychologically it's better to let the kid blame themselves. And every once in a while, you should blame the kid like, you want some hot chocolate? You want someone else to die? Well, it seems like maybe how <laughs> Kingpin would erase her. You know, it's like, how, how much can I psychologically damage this? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to teach Kingpin. a child responsibility, to place unjust blame on them for the demise of a family right? member. <laughs> And let them internalize God that. God damn it. <laughs> I never understood how Fisk was related to Maya's family. Like, did they ever explain that? He was the white guy that would that would just come around and say he has Native American friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, one thirty six uh, Choctaw blood in me. <laughs> My great grandmother was a Cherokee princess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has quite that much throat cancer, but uh, <laughs> maybe split the dip a little. <laughs> 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 I got the cancer in my larynx. <laughs> this is actually not the first time I've been shot in the face. It's just mostly they've been hitting my throat. <laughs> Stupid. I assume that it's not actual Uncle Hood. I just, my assumption is that because he was the boss of William's father and I guess he'd somehow been close to William in some way, he was like more like an honorary uncle and used that as an opportunity to groom her just because he felt close to her. That's my assumption, but it might be that they're actually related somehow. I thought that he fucked her mother and she was like, this is Uncle Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, Uncle Wilson. Not kidding. I, yeah, I forgot. I'm not supposed to call him that. Yeah, <laughs> I only call him Kingpin in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> God damn it, I'm I going to hell. <laughs> so glad you can't actually hear this, Maya. <laughs> Biscuits was my favorite of the family characters, you know. Yes. Like, <laughs> great comic relief character, great, you know, ally friend character, yeah. like... I do love his amazing plan at the end. It's like, all right, how am I going to defeat all of them? Monster truck. Excellent. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that had shades of Die Hard when Argyle just like, you know, the, the, the when, when Theo's trying to get away, he just like crashes into him with the limo and punches him in the face. Like, that, that just had shades of that for me. I really love the grandfather. I love Graham Greene. I'm, lo- I'm loving seeing him get another wind. You know, he's showing up mm-hmm. in all these different shows. I love getting to yeah, see Graham him Green again. Yeah, Graham Greene is awesome, yeah. I was happy to see him pop up in this. Every every single project he's in is amazing. And we didn't get to see him much, but Zahn McClamon, uh, her dad. Yeah. He's <laughs> so fucking awesome. McClarnan, sorry. He's so fucking awesome. He was really good. He's popping up at everything. Reservation Dogs is one of my favorite sitcoms. And him as the deputy in that, he's hilarious. He does his drama well. He's just all-encompassing. Bonnie is also on the show. <laughs> mm. <laughs> of all the characters, she is the one who is the most just kind of there. She doesn't have a lot that makes her stand out. I don't I don't dislike her that much. It's just that there is just not much to her character. It just felt a little like they were checking a box of like, okay, we're making a show. We yes. have to like have all these side characters. Uh, let's give her like a, a best friend character. All right, cool. Yep. She's like yeah. a she's like a first responder. All right, great, cool. Uh, she's also in Reservation Dogs. Uh, she plays Alora Danum. Isn't isn't that Willow? Yeah, that's that's what they say throughout the whole show. Isn't that the baby from Willow? <laughs> Her name is Alora Danum on the show. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's hilarious. Yep. That's amazing, actually. That's amazing. <laughs> that's great. No, it's like I, it's I, a, I, it's thought, really good I thought sitcom. I was about to call you out, Liz, for for like no, I think you're mixing your shows up, Liz. But it's like, oh no, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's the other universe, yeah. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm telling you, there was a show on Disney Plus that was Willow. It, it happened. It happened. <laughs> and everyone's checking Disney Plus. Like, yeah, that show's it's not on here. What, what the hell that are you talking not about? There anymore. <laughs> Willow show on here? God, it's like, no, I'm telling crazy. you, I watched <laughs> the Willow <laughs> show. <laughs> there was this giant worm that spit cum at everyone. <laughs> and you had to drink it. And they played money for nothing at the end of the show. <laughs> there was multiple sexy men with their shirts off. It's, there's a whole thing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a show I need to get into, Reservation Dogs. Everything I've seen of it has just been amazing, but I haven't actually watched it yet. Trigger warning, Suicide is a huge subplot in it. Uh, So if anybody wants to watch it, it's really great, but Suicide is a huge subplot in it. Oh, yeah, Zach, I think you're mentioning something about uh, her her actual uncle, not the Fisk uncle as well, and her relationship with him. I do like that relationship where he, similar to Fisk, is in that, you know, kind of darker part of life, except he is... In many ways, kind of the opposite of Fisk. Uh, He actually doesn't want her in that life much. He's used to it. He's used to violence. He even manages to get an extremely charming uh, headshot in at the very end. But he actually cares about his family members. He actually bothered to learn ASL. And... Even though he does have his issues with Maya, I like how much he's still behind all the all his family members. He's another one that a little bit was was kind of there for me, but he he did leave an impression while he was there. I just tended to forget about him when he wasn't around. I'm not I'm not sure what it was. I just I you know it's only five episodes and there's a lot of characters. I think they they could have trimmed down a little bit in my opinion, but at the same time. None of the characters take yeah. away from it. I agree. You know? They don't slow it down. Yeah. yeah. I like Henry too. I like the relationship she had with yeah. him. I think of all the characters to cut, they probably could have cut Bonnie um, as a character. Yeah. Because, frankly, she just wasn't necessary. Just finding out that Henry was in danger at the skating rink or Chula was in danger at the end, I feel like would have been enough motivation 
And since Bonnie didn't do too terribly much or have that much to her character, I do feel like she could have been trimmed out for this show. But So what you're saying is she could have been replaced by Lassie. Yeah, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do agree that I don't actually hate any of the characters and I don't lament the fact that they're in there. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah, if they wanted to, they could have replaced her. But, you know, I'm fine with her being there. I'm happy she's there. You know what confused me was that that guy who worked also at the the skating rink who ended up being a, a, a bad guy. Oh, yeah. That guy, I, mm-hmm. I kept thinking that that actor was Boyd Holbrook, who plays a very similar character to this in the movie Logan. And I kept thinking it was that guy because he looks and acts and sounds a lot like him. But no, it's it's, it's some some different actor. But it was like, okay, I guess we're we're recasting him as like a similar character in another Marvel property. But apparently, that guy was a different character in Agents of Shield, uh, which I think there was actually two actors from Agents of Shield who were on this. Oh, Agents of Shield, not canon still. So that's whatever. Hmm. Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. No. Well, it's because the last the last couple of seasons of Agents of Shield uh, actually diverge from the main MCU timeline anyway. If you if you watch them, they, they actually like kind of go into a different timeline anyway, and so they, they've pretty much said that that whole show is in its own timeline. I didn't watch that last two those last two seasons. I I haven't finished the show, but I I like Agents I of Shield. I missed but... just the last. Me season, too. I think, but I didn't watch the last two seasons. But I did like it. It just got tedious near the end. Yeah. I kind of fell off when they were doing the whole Darkhold storyline like that. Yeah. That kind of lost me, me a bit. But that's another thing, too, is that they, they also introduced the Darkhold on WandaVision, and it seems to be like a different version of it than the mm-hmm. version that's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that there's, right. there's, there's continuity problems between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the rest of the MCU. So generally speaking, it, it's that, that show, I think, is never really going to be considered canon. But, I mean, we'll see. Maybe they'll go back on that as well, but... It's almost like Joss Whedon just doesn't work well with people. I'll be honest. Like, I, I know I know you're just saying that to, you know, like get a I'm reaction. I'm just saying that. But Joss Whedon, frankly, barely had anything to do with that show. He did. He was a name. He was a producer on it, in credit at least, and he did write and direct the first episode of it. He doesn't have a single writing credit on anything, anything in the rest of the show after the pilot episode. He yeah. literally made the mm-hmm. pilot and he just gave it to his writing team. It, it's it's it is written by people who work with him. Like I I think uh one of his brothers I think is was a, a main writer on that show and then like yeah. and, and there and there's people mm-hmm. who have worked with him a lot on like Angel and Dollhouse and stuff like that. I think were the writers of that, but after he started that show, he pretty much stepped away and didn't really have anything to do with the rest of it. Kind of what he does with a lot of his projects. It depends. I mean, yeah. Firefly he stuck with, but that was such a short-lived show. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with with that is like for there was like a minute where he had three shows going on uh, simultaneously because there actually yeah. was a three way crossover or between when Buffy and Angel and Firefly were all on at the same time for a second mm-hmm. and. He mostly was focusing on Firefly during that time, but he did come back in the like the last few episodes of the last season of Buffy to like finish that. But that fourth season of Angel, he didn't really involve himself in, which might no. be why that fourth season of Angel isn't very good. But there's uh, that was that was a weird storyline. But his brother Jed Whedon uh, has a writing credit for every episode. Yeah. So apparently he was like the editor I think, I or think whatever. He was like the showrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Anything super pressing that we missed as far as uh, the show goes or any characters or anything like that? I don't understand why she doesn't have fake leg accessories. I love the fake leg that her grandfather made for her. That was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. I don't understand why he can't be like Q and he has like missile launchers. She's got a foot yeah, yeah, but we like missile launchers and, and guns and a sword pop hmm. out of there. Springy legs. <laughs> She does have a knife come out of it at one point. She does have uh, a knife. <laughs> but uh, it would be nice if she had like a couple more. It's like, all right, here's the foot knife. Here's yeah. the. <laughs> it looked fucking badass. Here's my question. Yeah. So in the movie Planet Terror, where, you know, Rose oh. McGowan has the, the rocket launcher leg, and I, I just never understood how she makes it fire. Like, does she have to, like, clench <laughs> up and that's how it, it shoots or whatever? It's like, she just kind of points it and it fires. Like, is it connected to her brain? Like, 
How does it work? She has a twat trigger. Yeah. All right. She practices her kegels. All right. <laughs> I assume that she just taps into that same sensation you get when you get a Charlie horse. And that's how she fires. Admittedly, that I guess that's, you know, I guess that helps with the combat rage is that as you're mowing these people down with your machine gun leg, you are both, you know, in the adrenaline of the moment and also your adrenaline is more fueled by the pain of the Charlie horse in your leg at the same time. In an interview, we shared it on our page, in an interview with... Uh with the original Obi-Wan, he, uh, they were talking about Star Wars and he said, well, there are going to be people that overthink it. I think we're the people that overthink things. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'd, I'd like to know where that trigger was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to think that she passed the practice or kegels to, to shoot that rocket launcher. Twat launcher. You know, <laughs> one thing that I will say about Maya and the character of Echo, I accepted it by the end, but I will say, that I definitely went into this show, you know, since it's following Hawkeye, and I know it's kind of connecting with the Daredevil and Kingpin characters, that I I was really coming in expecting a very gritty, street-level show. And I'm, I'm not saying that that isn't what we got, but I, I, I was surprised that the character ended up having powers. That wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. my favorite thing about the show. There's a part of me that just wanted her to just be a kick-ass vigilante, but the way that they implemented it and tie it in with her ancestors and everything, I I think managed to make it work well enough, I suppose, but... I don't know. What, what were you guys' thoughts about that aspect of it? I don't see why we needed to have special powers. I, I It's going to be one of the only times I ever yeah. say that. Does these powers knock me off my game? It does not. I feel like she fits in with the same type of power as the Marvels. You know, we're seeing that have a rise come on. So mm-hmm. I, I think she's going to fit somewhere in with them. But yeah, I don't think the I don't think the powers were needed, but I'm okay with it. It doesn't ruin it for me. I still want to know what she did to Fisk. I completely agree that if I totally had my druthers, she would not have these powers at all. Um, They weren't needed. And frankly, you can still have that connection back through her ancestry and her inspiration through these figures in her life and history. You know, maybe yeah. as stories told to her as a child without having the, you know, magic power connection to them as well. I, I don't think, frankly, that that was strictly necessary. Again, I don't, I don't hate the powers either. Um, I think that, you know, she's totally fine having them. They don't ruin her. They don't even change her from street level too much because most of them, apart from her mother's healing ability seem to basically just be expertise. Um, so helping her learn a little bit more from her past lives. So unless some of her ancestors had more out there powers as well, she still feels fairly street level and the same level as, you know, Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones. You know, those sort of not too overwhelming or outstanding powers. And in that regard, I think they work well. The one part about them that I like... And this was something that while watching What If that I liked from the uh, Kahori story as well, um, was I like that her powers are not unique to her either. Um, I like that she is able to share them with her family members, that they're able to tap into that same power set and bloodline as well. I enjoy when superheroes are not selfish in their power, when they realize that empowering themselves doesn't mean that they have to be the only one with these powers or abilities, that others can be empowered as well. It's one of the reasons I like the end of the first Shazam movie so much. Yeah. So I like that aspect of the powers, but I do completely agree that if I totally had my personal preferred preference, she wouldn't have them at all just because she doesn't need them. That's pretty much how I feel. Yeah. But again, doesn't take away from it super much, but I think we are ready to go into our overall thoughts and our score of one out of 10. And Zach, I'm going to go ahead and let you start. So overall, I think this was a really well done show. This was a, you know, really fun ride. I liked the character of Maya quite a bit. I liked her family. Um, I thought Kingpin was really well utilized and was back to his impressive and fantastic form from the Daredevil show. Um, Was this a perfect series? Yeah, no. Again, the powers are a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, Some of Maya's indecisiveness about whether or not she wanted to be the queen pin didn't entirely make sense. 
But mostly it was still a fun series with a protagonist that we really rooted for. And I just have to give props to the fact that they did take this chance and have a character who was visibly and, you know, obviously differently abled and have that not just be kind of in the background as a detail, but play a big part in the character, in her story that that was, you know, laid out and that she was integrated so well, that all that was put into the series so well and that they did have such a, you know, respectful and interesting way of having her Choctaw heritage in the series as well. So overall, I do think this was a really, really fantastic show. Um, I am going to give this an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I have very similar thoughts for myself. I think that um, ultimately, Alakwa Cox and her performance are what make this a great show, and I think her interactions with Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin, you know, really getting to see that character and that actor come back from the Marvel Netflix shows and to see the acknowledgement of the Marvel Netflix shows. It, it makes me really excited to see what they do with the Daredevil revival series as well, especially knowing now that it is all canon. It makes me really excited. But again, we're reviewing this show and not, not just looking forward. And I think that this show is ultimately very good. It's a spinoff of, of Hawkeye, which is still one of my favorites of, of the, uh, the, the Disney Plus Marvel shows that they've done. I honestly didn't think that Echo was a character for me personally that was uh, one who stood out from Hawkeye, which is why it's surprising to me that this show, which I wasn't initially really that excited for, did end up working as well as it did for me. Is is Again, it's because of Aqua Cactus, because of the good writing and the representation for indigenous people, for deaf people, for the differently abled people, the fact that she is an amputee. All of that can can play into and inform the character, but it doesn't have to define the character. And it, it's it, I, I think it's just a really exciting direction for Disney and Marvel to go in. So I, I think that the show is overall good. It's not one of my favorites, but I think that it's a very good show. And I agree that I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It was an amazing show. Uh, will I watch it again? Will I watch it over and over again? Probably not. It was fun while it lasted. Got us closer to Daredevil. It feels like it was really made to boost that that part of Marvel to, to get their shows back up and running. A nice little kickoff for it. I enjoy what they did. I enjoyed that they worked with the with the Choctaw Nation and a and a few other Native American reservations to make the powwow scene and everything else in this. It was a nice piece, and I love that they're being more diverse. I'm gonna go with y'all. I I really do think it's a it's an eight out of ten. Awesome, unanimous. Yes, <laughs> I I love it when that happens. <laughs> I want to see her play more of a villain role. And that's what I'm hoping for. But I could be completely wrong. I don't know about villain. I would be happy if she was an, in an antagonistic role at times. I, yeah. I like her straddling that line. I like characters who can show up and depending on whose show they're showing up in and what they're trying to accomplish could equally be friend or foe. Um, and I do think that she's a great character for occupying that space. There are a few characters yeah. like that in the MCU right now. I mean, I mean, look at Hawkeye again. Like, Elena was a character who played an antagonistic role on that show, even though she is more of a uh, a protagonist character in other stories. So I, I, I agree. I think that that's definitely something that, that they could do with Echo, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about the, the Percy Jackson franchise because there's also the Percy Jackson show on Disney Plus right now. And I, I wasn't sure if we were going to be doing the second uh, movie in the, the Logan Lerman series or not. But like, I, I, I actually had a fun time talking about that first movie coming out of our holiday hiatus. So I'm thinking maybe we can go ahead and, and do a Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters next week if you guys are down. I'm down. Uh, I'm down, yeah. Coincide with the, the ending of the Disney Plus series because I know that the first season of that is ending next week. So. Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Let's go ahead and do Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters next Woo week. Any uh, lasting thoughts before we sign off? Are we are we happy to be living in this alternate reality, or do we want to go back to the universe where Shazam is a movie that exists? I wish that I lived in a universe where my hemorrhoids could act like, you know, the little, what are they called on the Nick Fury show? The kitty cats. 
the, the flurkin, flurkin or whatever. Yeah. They, yeah, the flurkin. Yeah. I wish my hemorrhoids could do like that and just tentacles come out and eat someone whole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not certain we have enough of a following to have fan art yet, but unfortunately, I feel like that's probably going to be the first fan art out of us. I, I worry <laughs> for that. <laughs> Ass flurkin. <laughs> God damn it. Nerdshit is edited by the three of us, as well as Sharon D. Wilson. Our music is composed by Sam Wilson. Hey, that's me! You can follow us on all social media platforms at The Nerdshit Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and X, all at The Nerdshit Pod. Make sure that you're subscribed to Nerdshit anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating. And tell all your friends about us like a nice cult. Spread us around like herpes. That shit, that shit. So strap on in because we're talking about the nerd shit. Stay shitty, nerds.